All right, Father God, let's pray, everybody. Come on. Father God, we just lift up this time in the Word. I pray that you'd help us be good, fertile soil for the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And I thank you, precious Holy Spirit, for your presence and power that's here among us. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, just to intensify. And even as I preach tonight, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to help us to get locked in and focused, to give the Word of God our best ear and our full attention, and that everybody's attention span, everything about what we're seeing and hearing and perceiving would be really focused on what you're saying. And things that would normally take a lot of repetition, we would remember it and retain it. The living seeds of truth sown in a good fertile soil, watered by you, Holy Spirit, bring forth a hundredfold harvest. And I pray that you'd write it into us, burn it into us. And Lord, I ask you to pray through, I mean, speak through me tonight, that it'll go forth and everything be spoken that your will be done. This is an important word for a lot of people. And Lord, we bless this place to be fruitful. We bless the atmosphere, be the atmosphere of heaven. I bless every person that's going to be watching or hearing this, that you'll get everything out of it God wants you to get. I bless you. And I bless the recording of this to be fruitful. And it'll go forth and multiply, fill the earth. It'll change lives. We bless it to be so. And Lord, I pray even as we're here, your presence is so strong. Lord, I pray that just your glory would rest on us, that we would be alert, focused, we'll get everything out of the word, but at the same time, your glory be on us like a mantle. And Lord, I ask you to marinate us in this, saturate us, let us never be the same in Jesus' mighty name. You know, during the worship, I kept feeling like I wanted to go up to another level. You know, when I was worshiping, I kept, and all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Spirit reveal to me that's not going to happen until you lay hands on everybody because it's just, it's got to be released. You know, it was, this, it was this new anointing is what I was feeling. This new anointing was trying to take everything up from where we were to a new place. <coughs> and I was, uh, I was just kind of like this. All of a sudden, when we started praying, or when I laid hands on everybody and released that new anointing, it was like the whole atmosphere and everything just immediately shot up to that level that God wanted it to be at. The thing is that the the great thing is I don't feel that we're at the the tenfold increase of anointing yet. I don't feel like we're quite there yet. I don't. But this has been an amazing year of impartation. It really has. All right, I want to share some things about cleansing streams. Listen, last week, if you I think most people here, but those that may hear this or watch it online, I preached cleansing streams part one last week. And dealt with the family tree. And that was a really important, powerful sermon last week. I, I really, there was testimonies out of it. I know people are different. People, whenever I laid hands on people at the end of it, it was so powerful. It was like the second that we prayed, you could feel, I could feel it. I could feel the fire of God shooting into people. And it was like the Lord just burning up some DNA junk, stuff that was inherited that wasn't of God. And I tell you, it was powerful. And what grieves me about a lot of the full gospel circles, especially the revival circles, is there are some of them, I would say the majority of them, don't ever deal with this stuff. They, they ignore the issues in people's lives or chalk them up to whatever. I remember just here recently there was a guy named Robert that's a friend of mine on Facebook now, but I've prayed with him. And he said that where he's at, he's gotten a... a 
Pentecost, I'm not going to say the denomination. It's a mainline denomination. Full gospel church he's going to, but the pastor there is telling him that he just needs to get on the psychotic drugs, needs to go see a shrink, you know, and all this stuff. And so he's contacting me, and I'm like, no, I, in my opinion, that's not the answer. You just need Jesus, you know, to set you free. But it just grieves me because that's where a lot of churches are. They, they won't deal with it. And I believe the reason why, and I'm not saying this arrogantly, but deep down they know that they don't have what it takes. They know they don't have a fresh anointing, and they're, they're afraid of demons, so they don't want to talk about it. They, they're, they're intimidated at laying hands on a sick person because they really don't feel like nothing will happen. And deep down, that's where they're coming from. And so they've become just a referral service that if you, if you, you know, need a financial situation in your life fixed, they know a good CPA, a good banker, whatever, to give you the hookup instead of teaching them about kingdom principles. And if you, you know, if you come in and you've got health problems, they know a good doctor, they know a good, you know, nutritionalist or whatever instead of, of laying hands and believing God for a miracle. If they come in and they've got some kind of obvious demonic bondage in their life, they know a good shrink. You know, that'll give them some Prozac or something. They think that's the answer. And how many knows that that's not going to lay the axe to the root? The best that that could do, if it does anything at all, is put a Band-Aid. <clears throat> you know, when somebody has a serious injury, the last thing they need is a Band-Aid. They, they need it to be fixed. And there's people in Christianity that are hobbling along through their Christian life, struggling and frustrated, because they read the Bible, and they know the God of the Bible, and they know how powerful he is, and they can see what Jesus paid for them to have on the cross, see the freedom. But they themselves are really not walking it, and, and they want to know why. <clears throat> and instead of a lot of churches dealing with answering that question, um, they've become worldly. <clears throat> how many knows that's how the world deals with stuff? You know, if there's a problem or something, you just go to medical science or whatever, but that's not going to fix it, and that's not God's way. And I, I personally want all of my life to line up on kingdom principles. Because everything that can be shaken, the Bible says, will be shaken. Everything that's not of God's kingdom in your life. Some people have certain things on kingdom principles and other things they don't. And when the shaking comes, that which is not built on the rock of kingdom principles in Christ, his teachings, it's shaken and falls. It's just like tithing. You know, you, you tithe or give or whatever, you do it with faith. God had laid on my heart to give toward a ministry uh, this morning online, but I did it with faith. God put on my heart to do it, but I did it with faith. And I expect, number one, I don't, you know, I'm not doing it with a greedy heart about anything. I just, God spoke to me, I did it, I love the Lord, and you know, he's done so much for us, the least we could do is bless his kingdom with finances. Amen. It's, you know, it's not asking much. But anyway, but with that said, though, there's a faith aspect when you know the Bible that there, there is a harvest, you know, there when you give, you know. So anyway, next week, I'm going to start this series, and I want everybody to make your best effort for the next two or three weeks to be here because I'm going to be dealing with stuff about putting your faith together with the things that we do in Christianity. Like, for example, I mentioned about tithing. But, you know, a lot of churches... You guys will see this when you get out there, trust me. A lot of churches don't know how to receive from the anointing. They don't know how, like when you go through and lay hands on people, I don't know how many of you guys do that all the time. I do, but you can tell there are certain people that they know how to receive from God. 
and they get hit by the power. There's other people that just kind of stand there with this puzzled look, and they may feel something, but they're not really receiving. And they're in full gospel churches, and you know some of them, but it's sad because they don't know how to, to receive. And the Apostle Paul said in one of his writings, he said something about we're all given the same spirit to drink from, and there's a way to receive. And in Romans, the first chapter, he talked about how long to be with you to impart to you some spiritual gift to, to take you to a place of strength. But when he was there, he would lay hands, he would impart. But you've got to learn how to receive that. There's a humility aspect to receiving, but there's also a faith aspect. When somebody lays hands, you, you're expecting it. You, you take what is released to you by faith. And so anyway, I'm going to be dealing with that for the next couple of weeks about all the different things that we do in Christianity, how to combine it with faith and God's word, because when you do it with faith, it really releases the power of God. And see, there are things that happen through the laying on of hands that won't happen any other way. There's things that happen through communion that won't happen any other way. There's promises in God's word about fasting that you're not going to get those promises unless you fast. There's not another way to get it. There's things in God's word connected with, with giving to the poor that's not in any other. It's about that. And you see, when you learn all the different things that we're supposed to be doing in our Christian life, you learn what the Word says and you do it with faith, there's a power in that. Does that make sense? All right. This is actually, I don't know, it's not what I would consider to be a typical sermon. I'm just kind of going to give you some, some truths. You could call this a message from heaven, if you will, just something God put on my heart. But I'm actually going to write a book, and this is going to be in my book, so appreciate you guys praying over that. I was hoping to retire from book writing, but the Lord hasn't seen fit to do so. It's a lot of work, let me tell you. All right, so anyway, cleansing streams. Last week, what was the message? All of us have DNA. Our DNA is connected to our biological ancestors. It's got a lot attached to it. But when you come into Jesus Christ and you begin to, you know, separate yourself from the old and, and, and enter into the blood of Jesus and what he's paid for you to have by faith, what happens is the Lord will take your family tree, may have been a willow tree of sorrow. There may have been a lot of stuff there. But the Lord will break you off and he'll change your DNA. Well, you're no longer a willow tree branch. You're not. You're, you're different. There's, there's a DNA change in you. And now you're an oak of righteousness. And the Lord will take you and he'll plant you. You're the plant of the Lord. And you will begin to grow into what God's called you to be. And your family around you and your descendants will begin to prosper and be blessed because of your walk with God. And so that's, that's the will of God. And that's what he, Jesus paid for us to have. And that's what we're going to have. Amen. But on Cleansing Streams Part 2, what I want to talk about is kind of the process of that happening. Because, you know, you preach on that, and I don't want people to think, well, you know, every single thing in my entire life is going to be different tomorrow. It doesn't always happen that way. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, But it just doesn't happen that way most times. Sometimes, sometimes you'll, there'll be a service, and you, you go home, and you're, you're totally different in that area. God did something, you know. But a lot of things with God is a process. And not only that, but I've heard so many preachers say this in my life, and I've, I've found it to be true. If you're ever at a fork in the road, and there's an easy way or a hard way, 
the hard way is always God. I'm just telling you. I've heard preachers say that, and it's not something you want to believe, but it's the truth. The devil always has the shortcuts and the easy ways. God is always the one that's like, let me do a work in you. Let me prune you. Let me clean you up. Let me change you. Let me let me teach you how to have faith. And it's through the trials and the, and the difficulties. And, and sometimes you look at it and you see the easy way and the hard way. And it's, you know, but if you'll go with God in the end, it's going to be amazing. If you take the shortcut, it's kind of like this. If you take a tree, and it's a tree that goes kind of through the shortcut, if you will, it may be anemic and puny and not have a lot of fruit about it. But if you take a tree, and, and it's going through the process of the pruning, and all the fertilizing and everything that needs to be done, it's going to be big, strong, powerful, deep roots and a lot of fruit. See what I mean? But the tree that's going through the pruning is like, ouch, you know, I'm going to snip this off. I don't like this, you know, and it's the Lord just pruning, you know. <laughs> and that's what he does to us. He just, the Lord cuts off what needs to go. All right, so here, here's the process. I'm just going to kind of go down through this. I want you to follow me, okay, in the notes. But number one, trust God through the process because all of us are more full of sin than we realize. Trust him through the process. Malachi 3, 2 through 3 describes the Lord as a refiner's fire. And I talked about it last week where gold refined in the fire. They put it in the fire, the impurities come to the top, clean it off. Put it back in the fire, impurities come up again, clean it off. When Jesus comes into your life, he's a refiner's fire. And his goal is to make vessels of honor. You remember in the New Testament, in Paul's writings, where he says some vessels are vessels of honor and some aren't. You know, you take vessels like fine china and things like that, and you use it whenever it's important, you know. And the Lord wants us to be vessels of honor that he can take us out and really use us for his glory. But we've got to be, you know, the process has got to be complete in us to do that. Also, the Lord reveals in 1 John, talks about the blood, the water, and the spirit or the fire. See, the blood of Jesus, the washing of the water of the word, and the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit sanctify you. And so the Lord, right now, whether you even realize it or not, while you're sitting in here right now, and those listening to this or watching this, the blood of Jesus is cleansing out your life. The purifying fire of the Holy Spirit. He's at work in you, purifying you. The washing of the water of the word, as the word is taught and preached, it's washing. It's, and so the Lord is doing a work of sanctifying your spirit, your soul, and your body. And purifying you so that he can use you. Another thing I talked about, trials purify people. You know, we go through trials, we come out the other side a lot more pure than we did going in. And what I already talked about, God will break you off from your family tree and replant you, okay? Remember me telling the story about the DNA change in that lady? True story, let me say it again for those that didn't, you know, hear it last week. There was a lady in prison that had committed some violent crimes. When she got into prison, she was convicted based on her DNA. Her DNA was at the scene. She was guilty. She was convicted. She was, she was put in prison. While she was there, she found the Lord, and it was real. I mean, she really got born again and sold out. 
And so they go later on, there was a crime she legitimately committed, and they, they found DNA at the scene, and it was her DNA, okay? So they come to her. Now she's in prison, a born-again Christian, and they, they check her DNA now. You know how they take the swab or whatever? I'm sure that they did. They swabbed her. They got her DNA. And then they take the DNA from the crime scene that was legitimately hers and try to match them, and they don't match anymore. So what happened? When she became a Christian, the Lord actually altered her DNA. You know, there are people that truly get born again that have a really dark past and that physically they look different, physically. Their eyes look different. Their countenance is different. They physically change. What happens is, is when you get born again, I don't think people really realize how much of an of a accurate statement that that really is. You are really are reborn. I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're a new creature, okay? It's not just a cliche. It's not just something Jesus thought sounded good, you know, when he said it. It's not like that. It's a real birth. And so anyway, people's DNA changes. And so what the Lord wants to do with you is your family tree may have been one way, but he wants to alter and change you into the image of Christ. All right, so the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God God wants to start over with you. Now, here's the important thing. It's important about having deep repentance in your life and allow this process. Deep repentance. Now, I'm going to tell you something else. A lot of times in the body of Christ, people, people have a tendency to not take certain things as serious as they should on a, on a broad scale. But these areas of our lives where we deal with renunciation prayers and things like that, just like what Brother Zach's doing in the cell group, and, and we go through the process of cleaning up our old past, our old life, where we're really getting everything under the blood, really renouncing everything, that's extremely powerful. Some people don't realize that, see, your family, and it could be your own sin, but your family's done things. And because they've done things and because you've done things or sinful or whatever, attached, if it will, to your life to some extent, attached as things that are not of God. And as you renounce those things and get them in the blood, it is, like, it is like it's cutting it and disconnecting it from you, and then it'll float off. As the Bible says, a curse without a cause cannot remain. It cannot light upon you. So whenever you're dealing with those things and you're renouncing all those things, what's happening is, is that it's breaking that off of you and that, that work of the enemy, whatever it is, is just fluttering away from you. It's disconnecting you, separating you from it, protecting you from it. So these renunciation prayers and these things, it, it's serious. It, it's very powerful. But here's the blessings given Abraham, exaltation and promotion, health, long life, reproductiveness, prosperity, abundance, favor, and victory. God wants us walking in that. You know what? I'm going to tell you, it brings glory to the Lord whenever people see Christians in victory. It does. When somebody, somebody of the world, I just think, put yourself in a situation where, you know, you see somebody that's a wealthy businessman, a total heathen. I mean, he's got multiple mistresses. You know, he's, he, he's dishonest. He's a heathen, okay? He just don't care. And he looks at, what's, you know, some Christians' lives, and people say, you need Jesus, you need this, that. He looks at some Christians' lives, and he sees, you know, poverty, defeat, a lot of health problems, all this stuff. 
And in his mind, he's thinking, if their God is really real, he's not, he's not either, he's not a very good God or he don't know what he's doing because why is that person like, I mean, you know, why would I want to give up this to have that? And that's their mentality, I'm just telling you. I'm not saying that I agree with that mentality. I'm just telling you that's their mentality. But whenever somebody looks at Christians and they see answered prayers, they see miracles, they see the fact that there should be something wrong with them physically or maybe they have some miraculous story about their baby living when it should have died and they see their, their life in victory and they're happy and they're blessed, you know, there's people look at their life and they're kind of envious. They're like, wow. You know, that guy has, that lady has something that I don't have, and I, and I want what they have. And that's the way it was with Abraham and Isaac and them. See, Isaac was, think about this, Isaac and his family were so wealthy and powerful. You're talking about a man, his wife, and his household were so wealthy and so blessed of the Lord. And this is in your Bible in Genesis, I believe it's like 26, that the Philistines envied him. And they were afraid of him. They said, we want you to move away from here. You've become too powerful for us. Think about Put yourself right now in that position in your mind where you and your family has made a nation, a king and his people, afraid of you. And they look at you and they envy what you have. And they're afraid of you because they know that God is with you and that God has made you powerful. And they're afraid. Think about that. But the Bible says that, that we are of the seed of Abraham, and the oath God swore to Abraham is ours. And I just heard David Hogan talking the other day, or actually yesterday and the day before I was listening to some of his sermons. And he was invited to preach at the Pentagon, and he was around. It's kind of a private invitation, but he was around all these you know, politicians that we know about. And he said that he, he said they, were, they were powerful. He said you could see it just exuded from them, that they, there was this power and authority about him but he said it was interesting because while he was there he said none of them would even talk to him they would talk to his wife even though he was standing right there talk to his wife and tell her to tell him and he's like I'm standing right here and he, this is what he said he said even those type of people are afraid of, of what's in me they're afraid of what I have in other words they may be powerful in the political realm but they know that when they were around him that that was true power and it intimidated them. Does that make sense? I don't know why I went off on that. All right, number two, recompense to be made. I mean, those robbery is personal. Whenever somebody is robbed, it is a very personal thing and God takes it personal. Daniel seven twenty one through 22 talks about the end times. It says, as I watched the horn, and that's the Antichrist, was waging war against the people of God and defeating them until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the Most High and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. You know what that's talking about there? It's talking about possessing your promised land too. It really is. See, God has made you promises. Individually, some of you have prophetic words that are hanging over your life. God has made this ministry of promises. There's a promised land also in the Word of God, the promises of God represented in the Word. There's a promised land where you go from health problems to health, bondage to freedom, defeat to victory, lack to provision. Okay, there's a promised land. It's a place of where the things God's spoken to you come to pass. The things that have been spoken of your ministry come to pass. 
where your prayers are answered. You see a change in your family. Okay, that's the promised land. But see, the, the enemy wages war and tries to wear people down until the Ancient of Days takes his seat and renders judgment on your behalf. See, right now, what the word of the Lord has been, um, the Lord is speaking to me about this battle against Leviathan, but if you listen to Pastor Kilpatrick, he says that the Leviathan spirit attacks the glory and attacks places of revival. Well, that only makes sense then that we would be dealing with it on some extent. But the spirit of Leviathan is one of the main key players in the end times. You know what some of the key players are? Just if you're curious, number one is the Antichrist spirit. That's a key player in the end times. The Antichrist spirit has everything to do with the religious spirit as well. Okay? Then you've got Jezebel and Ahab. Those are key players. When you look at Jezebel and Ahab, you're looking at rebellion and witchcraft and control. Those are major key players. As a matter of fact, the whore of Babylon is Jezebel. Then you've got Leviathan, who's another key player in the end times because the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren in the book of Revelation. And it's a spirit that operates through pride. It comes against the glory. And it brings confusion. But the main, one of the main goals about Leviathan is to destroy relationships. That's the main goal. See, the Jezebel spirit tries to, tries to flip relationships where they're unhealthy relationships. They're not really the way they're supposed to be. The religious spirit, that Antichrist spirit, just tries to counterfeit things. It, you know, people, people are in bondage to a religious spirit. It's sad. But Leviathan, what Leviathan's main goal is this, is to destroy relationships. But when Leviathan attacks a relationship and it's successful, it will destroy that relationship to the point that it would really take a miracle of God to ever restore it. I mean a real miracle. And the Leviathan spirit is bent on destroying important relationships. I mean, some relationships, like, you know, you, you know people, your coworkers and some of your neighbors, I mean, they're there. You, you have an acquaintance, but... There are people in your life, like, like for example, an obvious example is your family members, your spouse, you know, your kids. But also, this thing is bent on destroying relationships um, in the kingdom that are, that are important relationships, covenant relationships, people that God has put together. And you could see, listen, I love the Apostle Paul and all that, but the Apostle Paul was a human being. And he had a sinful nature, and he was not, he was far from perfect. And people idolize, you know, but anyway. But when you look at him and Barnabas, God put them together. But him and Barnabas got into such a fight over something stupid in the Bible. It was about Mark. They got in such a, such a tiff about it that they both went off, you know, huffing and, and they, they parted ways. And you never, ever hear about them ever getting back together. Paul ended up getting Silas to go with him, okay, but that covenant relationship that God put together was over. And you know who was behind it? What spirit is behind all that strife and that contention and that Leviathan? That's exactly right. So here they were going along, and they've got the glory. They've got revival breaking out. Leviathan attacks. Next thing you know, a covenant relationship is, is destroyed. Leviathan will attack a lot of things. I'm talking about this spirit specifically because I feel very strongly like right now is a season. The message of the hour 
is us getting some breakthroughs about this because this thing is wanting to try to hinder what God's doing here. And uh, David Hogan's sermons are fresh on my mind. I love hearing him preach. If you've never heard him preach, you, you should try to get his sermons because he's just such a great preacher and tells all these amazing stories. But he was talking about, you know, about the attacks of the enemy. And he was saying the reason why Satan is attacking them is because, you know, they're in revival and they're going forward and they're seeing souls saved and they're doing something for God, you know. That's obvious, but that's exactly why ministries come under fire. You know why ministries, some ministries are such a, a, a lack of spiritual warfare is just because they simply are not a threat. They're not doing anything. They're not seeing souls saved. They're, you know, there's no anointing. And the enemy wants them like that, so he's, I can just hear the, the spirit over that region going, look, leave them alone. Don't stir anything up. Don't rock them. Just leave them alone. That's exactly where I want them to be. Lukewarm and cold, not doing nothing for me, nothing for God, just dead. Just leave them there, you know. All right, treasures of darkness. So whenever you, you discern this, this spiritual force coming against you, Isaiah 27, 1 says, in, the day, in that day the Lord will punish with the sword, with his sword, his fierce, great, and powerful sword, Leviathan the gliding serpent, Leviathan the coiling serpent. He will slay the monster of the sea. Isaiah 45, 3, I will give you treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. So see, here's what happens. I can just see this sea monster coming, you know, and swallowing up a lot of your things that belong to you, stealing from you. And then God comes to your aid. The Ancient of, Je Ancient of Days renders judgment on your behalf. The sword of the Lord is released. And when the sword of the Lord is released, then treasures of darkness, things that Satan has stolen, begin to be restored back. Is everybody following me? I just jotted down some thoughts here, but remember when you're doing renunciations, there, there are biological bloodlines, but there's also spiritual bloodlines. I don't know if you really ever thought about that. God is, one of God's names is Yahweh Mishpah. Mish, Mishpah means the righteous judge. So God is your righteous judge. You know, a lot of times when you go into the secular court system, you don't know for sure if you're going to be handed a raw deal. You know, this is a sinful world, and, and you don't know if somebody's got a really high-paid lawyer and they're going to manipulate everything and, and find a loophole and, and rip off the innocent. You know, and that, that junk happens all the time. God hates that, by the way. But you never know. But when you, when you go before God, God is a righteous judge. He doesn't take bribes. He doesn't put up with manipulation. He's fair, and when he renders judgment, I mean, it's over. That's it. So if you get God to give you vindication, remember when Steve Solomon was, was praying over me. He was prophesying and saying some things, but one of the things he, he referenced without knowing me or anything about me was some of the, the people that, that were really had wounded me in the ministry and all that. And, but he said this. He said, your vindication is before the throne of God. See, it doesn't matter. The thing is, if you're going after God, I'm learning this more and more every day. If you're really going after God, there's going to be some people that just simply don't like you for no reason. And there's going to be some people that don't like your wife for no reason. They don't like your daughter. They don't, they don't like your ministry. They don't like the way you dress, the way you talk. They just don't like you. 
And bottom line is there's going to be some people that, that attack your ministry. But your vindication is found before the throne of God. Because ultimately, it really doesn't matter what these handful of people that don't like you think. As long as you've got God on your side, he's your vindication, then everything he's ever promised you is still going to come to pass whether they hate it or not and whether they like you or not. So God is your righteous judge. Is this good tonight? So remember when you pray to God, he's your father. He's the king of the universe. But also, he is a righteous judge. And when you and let me tell you, the way you get somewhere with God, let, let me tell you what, what not to do. All right? People wound you, and I used to do this. I'd be like, Lord, I can't believe they did that. You know, and I was so frustrated with those people. I was like, how do you put up with them? You know, and I was sitting there, but that doesn't, I don't understand. I still don't understand that, but I don't care anymore. That's him. That's him between him and them. But the thing is, that's not where you're going to get anywhere with God. See, when God came down to Adam and said, what have you done? How many knows Adam ate the fruit? He can blame whatever he ate that fruit. And, and whenever God said, what have you done, Adam? He said, it's Eve's fault. And he looks at Eve. Eve ate the fruit. You know, it, she, but she didn't, want to, she didn't want to own it, see? She was like, it was the snake. And then the snake didn't have anybody to point at. <clears throat> you know, I'm sure that he would have blamed somebody too, you know. But he didn't have anywhere to go with this. So God started with the snake. And it's like, okay, you're cursed. And he looks at Eve. But let me tell you something. If that whole situation would have been handled different, you know, whenever... Whenever things don't go right in your life, don't blame all these other people. The devil did it. When you go right to the source of the fact that Satan is behind it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But here's what you've got to do. Here's how you get far with God. And it's this next point about agreeing with your adversary. Own what you did. Just own it. We're blaming everybody else. I was, I, it's the way I was raised. It was, you know, I had this mean teacher in school, and this person did this. this per, it's their fault. It, quit doing all that. Just own it. I messed up. I blew it. My fault. I repent. Forgive me, Lord. When you have that attitude, you get somewhere with God. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is get to the root of the matter that it is actually the devil who's behind it anyway. It's easy to blame people because they may be being used of the devil but the fact is there's still the devil behind it does that make sense let me give you an example so there's there's this true story about this lady they had had a pet dog forever it was this older dog been a family pet and this dog one day she come home and she goes down to, to mess with it and I guess it was confused and it just jumped up real fast and bit her lip and it like ripped her lip almost off it was bad and then the dog, once it kind of came to its senses, realized what it did, and it cowered down and was, was like, I'm sorry, you know how dogs do, and was whining. But the dog really hurt her. But it was an accident. And that's the way a lot of Christians are. A lot of, a lot of Christians, they're used of the devil to really hurt somebody, and then later on they really realize, I shouldn't have done that. But as long as you go before God and do like Adam did, it's, it's Eve, it's look at them, you know, that's not going to get far. When you go before God and you say, Lord, forgive me for my sin, but really the problem is really the devil. 
and I'm taking the devil before your courtroom and I'm asking you for vindication against the devil. He caused these relationship problems. He caused this. He's the, the one behind it and I'm asking you for vindication. That's when you're going to start getting somewhere with God. Because even though Eve was blame shifting, she still was right. It was the devil. You see what I'm saying? She shouldn't have been blame shifting, but nonetheless she was right in the respect that Satan was the one behind it. So that's basically my next one. Agree with your adversary. Jesus said, settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still on the road together. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the officer, and you'll be thrown in prison. And I'll tell you the truth, you won't get out until you pay the last penny. So whenever, whenever the enemy is accusing you of something, you know how to defeat. You know, this is actually a great weapon in spiritual warfare I'm about to give you. You know how to defeat the accuser before God? It's just humble yourself and, and repent. Like, for example... The accuser comes and is like, you did this, 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 and this. Don't try to defend yourself like you want to do, but just do this. Say, Lord, maybe I did. You know, I repent, wash me in your blood. I, I'm, I'm through with it. And when you do that, it totally breaks the power of the devil. But whenever you start arguing with that and you try to say, I didn't do that, and you start justifying yourself, a lot of times, even though the enemy is, is usually blows it out of proportion, a lot of times there's some truth to it. I mean, the enemy may come and be like, you're, you're a liar and you're this. It's like, in your mind, you're thinking, I don't tell lies, but actually you did exaggerate or do something yesterday. And if you just go before God and be like, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent, it just kills it right there. And the Lord has your back. But when you start trying to argue with the devil, then it says right here, he'll, ju he'll just take you before the judge, and then you'll be in trouble. Does that make sense? So don't blame shift. And don't argue with the devil. Just repent. Get it under the blood. See, all this goes back to humility. Humility enables you to be able to apologize and, and humble yourself and say, you know, Maybe I was wrong about that. I could have handled that better. Whatever. I'm sorry. That's humility. All right. The next thing is Jubilee, number four. Leviticus, Leviticus 25. Count off seven Sabbath years. So every six years, Israel would plant, reap, plant, reap, plant, reap. On the seventh year, they wouldn't plant anything. And they did this for seven, seven times. So for 49 years, this process is going. Six years of planting, one year off. Six years of planting, one year off. On the 50th year, it's Jubilee, which was an interesting principle because everything that God had originally given your, your family, say you were from the tribe of Dan, all the different things that were your inheritance that God originally gave your family was restored back to you. And everything that you had acquired from other people, like say some of your neighbors or whatever they were in financial trouble and therefore you you bought some of their land but God had originally given that to them as their inheritance but you bought it from them etc etc when Jubilee came you lost everything that you're not supposed to have but you got back everything that was lost everything 
So Jubilee is an interesting principle. And I believe in people's lives, if they'll stay with God, there comes a point in time of Jubilee where God will vindicate you and he'll restore back in you everything that's ever been stolen. There may be a few things that he never intended you to have in the first place and that'll be removed, but that's okay. But he'll restore everything back. Amen? Scriptural steps of faith, healing, and deliverance. Look, Satan tries to make God out to be a liar. But the truth of the matter is, Satan's legal right is gone. As long as we don't live in sin, as long as we forgive others. And also by renouncing ancestral sin. Because that will break the generational stuff. But we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Healing was paid for at the cross. And the blessings given to Abraham are on us. But you've got to lay hold of these promises by faith and not let go until you see it. Now here's the things I want to close with. Winds of change seem to be blowing in our ministry and have been for, I guess, since about last May or June. Winds of change. And Benny Hinn had talked about, he went through this whole thing about changing of seasons that he did a teaching. In fact, Brother Zach brought this back to us. But anyway, he talked about how a new atmosphere, like a climate change, will take place. And we started seeing that. And so, do you remember? It, it was right after we went through a difficult time. You know, we, some spiritual warfare came and some people left, etc. But on the other side of that, the anointing started exploding. The atmosphere started changing radically. And that prophecy by Brother Kilpatrick about an increase of anointing started happening. But then he said your message will change because once the atmosphere changes, it prepares people's hearts, and therefore God can start speaking new things to you. And that's what's been happening. God's been speaking through me to people like never before about us allowing this process of purification. Circumstances will begin to change. Then your location will begin to change. That's not necessarily a geographic thing, but your location as far as spiritually speaking begin to change. Then number five, your vision will change. You'll begin to have eyes of faith and revelation. Then your worship will change. And then your destination will change when you enter the promised land. But see, we seem to be at a place, we're at number six, where the worship has changed. In our ministry, the worship has really gotten deep and powerful. It's at a whole other place. But it seems like now we're right at that number seven where it's a destiny thing. It's a destination change, which is destiny. Things begin to change. It's the promised land. God wants to give you the promised land, but he's got to prepare you with the discomfort of circumcising your heart and your life. It's interesting because when, when the children of Israel crossed Jordan, the very first place they went was Gilgal and where God had to circumcise all the men. So there they were laid up for a couple of days. And that would have been uncomfortable. I mean, all these grown men being circumcised. But God had to do that before he could give them Jericho. This is another thing I wanted to say. Find strength and comfort in the tokens of heaven. So here's the thing. 
God has made promises for you. And he only tells you what you need to know, really. And so he tells you the end. You know, he's like, there's a promised land. There's this and that. And you, and you see that. You see it so clear. And you're excited because you think it's coming in three days. But he, forget, he doesn't forget. He just fails to mention that that's the thing that's ten years away. And there's just going to be about 33 major storms. There's going to be some devils come against you. There's going to be some people oppose you. There's going to be, he didn't mention none of that. So, you know, you go three days into it and you're like, where's, what happened? Where is it, Lord? I believe, but, you know, I'm not seeing it. But see, here's the thing, though. God, he will give you little nuggets, little tokens of heaven that will sustain you. Like, for example, he promises about an increase, a tenfold increase of anointing, and then he starts releasing these increments of it. And you sense it. You feel the increase. You feel the winds change. And it's a token. It's something small, but it's a token to encourage you that keep going forward because it's upon you. It's happening. It's these little tokens. And God doesn't waste his anointing. The very fact of a tenfold increase of anointing and it happening, that in and of itself is a major token of heaven of what's to come with the promised land. God's not going to waste his anointing. So in other words, he's giving you this, these different things he's given you in your life. It's a token. It's something small, but it's something to encourage you that you're on the right path, and I, and I know where you're at. Here's a list of 60 sins that bring a curse. If you want to go through that and pray over that with your family, I'm not going to go through it now. Also, here's a checklist for your home. Go through and clean out your house. Make sure it's clean. Here's the last couple things. The awesome power of renunciations. The next book I'm writing, Cleansing Streams, I'm going to be dealing with this renunciation stuff. But if you've, if you've had, there's things on our website under the downloads. If you've had Freemasonry in your life, if you've had Celtic in your, your ancestry, like Scotland and Wales or Ireland, there's a Druid renunciation. If you have Native American or yoga in your life, Ancient Roots is for every Christian. It's excellent. And then there's also one on just various religions that apply to you, maybe your ancestors. But these renunciations are very powerful. And they really will set you free. All right. Then the next thing I want to talk about real quick is like Easter and Halloween and different things like that, especially since we're coming upon Halloween. But I don't, as a church, as it grows, you get a lot of people that are real worldly and they haven't been renewed, okay? But just letting you know, this church is never going to celebrate Halloween. I mean, it's just the way it is. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a satanic holiday. And I'll never understand how Christians act like it's a Christian holiday. Now, it's obvious that Christmas is Jesus' birth. It's obvious that Easter is. But when you're dealing with Halloween, you're dealing with a complete, total pagan, satanic holiday. Okay? Now, I want everybody's attention, please, 100%. Everybody get focused right now. All right, number one, we're not going to celebrate Halloween. So as things go forward, I want everybody to please remember that and help me as people are coming in to understand why. Number two, is extracting out the pagan out of Christian holidays. You know, 
there was a god by the name of Ishtar, and you can look this up for yourself, but that's where you get all the stupid stuff in Easter. And it grieves me because you, you talk to little kids, you're like, what's Easter about? A lot of little kids are going some long, ridiculous tangent about the Easter money and some stupid, and it's like, but you know what's sad about it? It's not funny because they're, they're lost. And they don't even know Jesus. They don't know what his death was about. And Satan has, has put something there to try to take their eyes off Jesus. That's what it's all about. So, you know, all that garbage. I remember Sandy had a really good idea at Christmas about the maybe the children's ministry, children's church, you know, like making Jesus like a birthday cake or something, you know. I thought that was really great. But as far as Easter goes, the church isn't going to be doing the Easter bunny stuff and the eggs and all this stupid stuff, okay? So we'll find a way to get the kids, you know, to to look at Jesus, okay? But this stuff is pagan. That the, the All the stuff with the eggs and the bunny and that stuff goes back to Ishtar. It's a demon god. You can look this up for yourself. It's common knowledge. The stuff with Halloween goes back to Samway, which is a, a demon god of death. So it's it's not innocent, you know, this pagan stuff. As far as Christmas Christmas goes, I mean it's gonna be about Jesus here. Okay. It's not gonna be about it's not gonna be about Santa Claus. We're not gonna have some big Santa Claus stuff, you know. And the reason why it you know, and I promise you this, that guy Saint Nick would roll over in his grave if he saw today. Because he was a Christian. You guys know the story of Saint Nick? The real Saint Nick, he was a Christian. And he would give stuff away at Christmas time because he would give it to the poor. But the thing is, he would roll over in his grave if he knew all these people were idolizing him and making him some kind of God where he's eclipsing Jesus and, and all these kids have their focus. You know, I have an opportunity to work with some kids. You know, and I always witness to them around Christmas and Easter about Jesus because I'm like, okay, so what's what's Christmas about, and they'll go on some stupid thing about the North Pole, and you know, the sleigh ride, and Santa, and I don't and I'm like, no, that's not what Christmas is about, and then there'll be some kid somewhere, there's always one, it's like, it's about baby Jesus, and I'll say, alright, and I'll be like, alright, everybody, shh, you, tell them about the story, and then they'll go, they're preaching the gospel, amen, there's always somebody that knows, so as far as this ministry goes, I want you to be aware of that and help me pray about it and be with me on it because I really don't want the church defiled with bringing in the pagan. You know where it all came from? That We can all think the Catholic Church because here's what they did. They decided it would be a good idea to take Jesus and then the worship of demons and let's all just mix it up. Put it all together, make everybody happy. That's what they did. And so they brought in, they brought in the Christianity and all the satanic, and they decided, well, let's just, you know, let's Christianize it. That's where it all came from. And the last thing I want to talk about. But anyway, so stay with me on that. When we go into Easter, we might throw out some candy and let kids run around and pick up candy or whatever, but I don't want to get on the Easter bunny. Okay? I don't want to get on the hard-boiled eggs and all the stupid junk. It goes back to Ishtar. And we're not doing the Halloween thing. So, and I don't want to get on having some fat Santa in there, you know, and all these kids. <laughs> no offense to anybody that feels like that, you know. Anyway, 
let's go back to this. So the last thing is this. Churches can also be like a willow tree because of their history. This is an interesting thing I want to close with. A lot of churches don't deal with stuff. And as the generations pass, and I'm not talking about necessarily actual generations, but as time passes and you've got kids that grow up that move out of the church, go to college, you've got new people coming in. And in the church, there's been a lot of strife. There's been a lot of problems over the years that church can become like a willow tree of sorrow and it, there's like a curse over it. There's a bondage. There's something there that is holding them back. And it's just like Brother Kilpatrick was talking about with the atmosphere. The atmosphere is oppressed. There's a heaviness. There's a spirit over the church. It seems to be sterile. So churches can also be like a willow tree. And you've got to go in there and really get all of that cleansed out by the blood of Jesus. And that may take some people being kicked out. I remember hearing this story of a church in East Texas, and it's a true story, and I know the people. And um, it was just such a problem church. And the leaders of the denomination went into that particular church, and uh, there, was a, there was a family and a few others that kept that church in total, just it was pure hell. They just, every time, they'd run off every preacher. They'd cause fights with everybody. And the leadership of that denomination came in, and... Um, they went up to the front one day and they had names and they said this family this family and this family you're no longer members here you don't belong here leave don't ever come back adios see you later kicked them all out and got and left the people in there that, that were right with god and cleaned house and purified the church they prayed over it now the church is doing good they cleaned house so see there needs to be a cleansing like a pruning where God will purify that stuff out of a church. And sometimes that involves kicking some people out. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about as we close is this. I've given some of you guys a renunciation prayer and all that. I'm sure you've taken care of that. But I feel, listen, the whole thing with, with the Leviathan thing and pride, you know, being easily offended is a sign of pride. not being able to be corrected, caring what other people think too much. And a lot of times people that have a pride or a Leviathan issue will deal with a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of feeling unworthy, a lot of rejection issues, a lot of isolation issues, orphan, or dealing with, you know, various levels of pride, you know. And these come, a lot of rejection and stuff like that, is because where that pride in Leviathan is, a lot of times people um, really are sensitive. They're easily offended, and they take a lot of things as rejection. It's really not. And even if it is rejection, they really take it hard. You know? And when God really deals with that and cleans that out, then it's like it's a lot easier to deal with those situations. It's a lot easier to walk in forgiveness and just let stuff roll off of you. Is this helping you? But I'm going to tell you, all of us all of us deal with pride on some level. Everybody does. And the truth is that I want to be more humble next year than I am now. It, it's, a, it's a process of God really helping you, giving you the grace to walk in humility. I know this was a totally different type of sermon tonight, I know. I just want to share some things in my heart, but just if you would close your eyes with me. Shoo, man.
feel the water stirring. So through this sermon, your vindication is before the throne of God. Humility. That's what your voice is when he's here. feel the spirit of the Lord would say that, that I am crushing, this is the Lord, I am crushing the head of, of Leviathan and breaking his power completely. What has been resisting you is coming now to an end. The anointing on your life is going to cause you to come like rising up out of the ashes if you will. Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray a fresh anointing right now. Just release a fresh touch. Be filled and baptized in the Spirit of God now. See the Lord just clothing you with fire. You've been an evangelist, but I feel the Lord saying you're also a revivalist. speak over you, that you will have exaltation and promotion, that God will make you the head, not the tail, the top, not the bottom, you'll lend and not borrow, God's going to raise you up, I bless you in Jesus' name, you will have health in your body, you will not have to worry about health problems, there's not going to be any stress in your life, 
I bless you in Jesus' name to be an absolute perfect woman all the days of your life and strength and blessing in your body. I bless you that you will have a long life and all will go well for you in Jesus' name. The Word of God declares that because you honor your parents, you have a long life and all go well. I invoke a blessing over you in Jesus' name that you will have great prosperity and abundance. And I felt that. I bless your finances individually, but also your ministry to multiply and be more than enough to pay every bill on time, to put money in savings that you need to save, to be generous in your giving, to bless Israel, to be able to bless the poor, orphans and widows. I bless you. You'll be able to bless orphans and widows, orphanages. Bless Israel. Be a blessing to other ministries. I bless you that you will have divine favor on your life. I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name that you're going to have favor with God and man that God will give you divine appointments, order your steps, and give you divine favor. I bless you in Jesus' name that you're going to have victory over your enemies. I bless you that, that God will silence any critics before you as you go forth in your ministry. That the enemy that comes at you in one direction will be confused and flee in seven. Anyone that tries to lay a trap for you, dig a pit for you, will fall into it themselves, but you'll step around it. I bless you that the Lord will make your enemies your footstool and you will possess the gates of your enemies. I bless you that relationships in your life, covenant relationships, important relationships, I bless that, that you have favor and peace and enjoy them. <coughs> And you'll have good relationships that are protected of the Lord. I bless your ministry to see a great harvest of souls. Healings, miracles, signs, and wonders will be common. Deliverance to the captives, setting those free in darkness. The Lord will destroy the works of the devil through you <coughs> and advance the kingdom of God. I bless you that many will be all over the world will be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire and receive impartation through you. As a matter of fact, even as you go to other nations, that it won't just be laying hands, but even as you stand there with the mic and speak it forth, I'm blessed that multitudes will be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire and clothed with power. I bless you that you'll continually have a fresh anointing on your life, clear direction leading the Holy Spirit wisdom in all things, godly counsel, great faith, peace, courage, hope, joy, strength from the Lord. You will reach your highest purposes, full potential, maximum fruitfulness. You will walk in the fullness of the freedom, victory, and dominion. Jesus paid you to heaven on the cross, and through you, many others will also walk in that victory and freedom. 
bless your soul will prosper and be strongest and abounds faith-filled. I bless you to be, be protected and kept from the wiles of the enemy. And I bless your spirit, man, to be very sensitive and in tune with the Holy Spirit and his leading. I bless you to have great wisdom as you go forth, great wisdom in the way you carry yourself and act and in the ministry. Great wisdom will guard you. bless you with clear vision and deep roots. And the Lord will say to you that, the, that your, your hands will be like flames of fire in your hands. And because of the anointing on your life and because of the empowerment of this blessing, I feel like. But as you lay hands on people, there's going to be a fire that's released that is not going to be just in your meeting, but people are going to leave your meeting and go home. And that fire is going to continue just to purge out. It's going to burn out sickness out of people. It's going to drive out demonic spirits. It's going to consume people. And it's going to change people's <coughs> DNA. It's going to change their desires. It's going to give them a love for the things of God and a hatred for the evil things of the world. That purifying fire is going to release through you and transform people's lives. It'll even affect people around them. I see married couples where one married couple uh, may be married to somebody that's a total heathen, but as they're in bed together at night, that fire is going to release over to the spouse. It's going to release and affect atmospheres in people's homes. As they get up and pray the next day, that same anointing will begin to release into their home and affect their family. But I feel the Lord is, 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 for some reason, you're leaving an old season. You're moving into a new season. And with that season, there's a major increase of revival fire. And I see it pouring down through you. And I feel it, man. And I, I believe some of it has to do with the, the mantle from, from here, too, as we bless you and pray for you. But there's a fire that's going to go through you to others. A revival fire. And I call forth what's in you through laying on of hands from Rodney Howard Brown. Come forth! And other revivalists like Bill Johnson and others. What's in you through laying on of hands, it's been in there like a, like a seed. It's been just there for the right time. But all the laying on of hands, everything has to do with revival fire. Y'all stretch your hands as I command that to burst into flame. Come forth! <laughs> I also see prophetic and things that have been in you prophetic in Jesus' name. Come forth! Vision. Ooh. vision man sharp vision it has to do with with a new alignment and it's a new new board other other things as we discussed I'm not going to say but it has to do with realigning the realignment is why this stuff is going to flow I 
even see as I'm blessing you and praying for you, I see like you're like on the inside, the spirit man enlarging, like an increase of anointing, an increase of what's going to be flowing in and through you, a new, like the river used to flow through, it's going to increase, where it's an increase of the river flowing. And I speak that greater intensity of the rivers, of the winds of heaven blowing, the fire of heaven consuming, the rain of heaven coming down in your meetings, the oil and wine of joy being released. And I also feel like that God wants me to impart this to you, but you're going to carry it for other people because God's going to give you intercessors. And when you lay hands on them, it's going to impart to them. It's meant for them. You're just a carrier. Okay? So, Lord, I pray let the intercessor impartation go into Anthony. Give him intercessors. It's going to impart to them, and then they're going to be intercessors. Now! I, I see that, man. That's the Lord doing that. Father, in his hands, I pray an increase of the flow of oil. Now! also see like an increase of, of authority, a new mantle because of a realignment. It's not really yours, it's, but it's coming on you now. prayer about anything before we go I'm available it's a new season Anthony it's, it's like total shift man total shift it's like going from third gear up to fifth gear really it's a major shift realignment of your covering and everything total shift but with it it's an increase of revival fire flowing through you not just an evangelist, but a revivalist. I feel it. You'll leave places, and there's, there's going to be a fire there that you started. It's the Lord started through you, but there's going to be a fire started. There was people getting saved, healed, and delivered. That's going to keep happening, but now there's also going to be a revival fire deposited. Passion, hunger. People hungry for the things of God. People that were dead, now dancing. That's what I'm saying. People that were religious, free from that. And I feel the Lord saying to you that you're going to have an authority over a critical spirit, a religious spirit. And the Lord's giving you that right now. You're going to have authority over that spirit. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You need to, when you go places and you discern a religious spirit, you need to bind it. In the Teen Challenger, a church. Say, I bind that religious spirit at this church. You will not hinder this ministry. You're not going to stop revival. I bind you now in Jesus' name. Start using that, okay? That's going to unlock it. 
See, what's opposing revival is a religious spirit. When you go there and your foot hits that soil, I bind this religious spirit in this house. It stops right now. Revival's coming now. 